Hi everybody, this is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisces about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karam and get down with the good vibes. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is an award-winning author, speaker, and trainer. After 22 years as a trial lawyer, he became a peacemaker and a mediator. Today, he helps people solve deep and irretractable conflicts and teaches others to do what he does, teaching decision-making under uncertainty conflict. He is the co-founder of the award-winning Prison of Peace project in which he teaches murderers in maximum security prisons to be peacemakers and mediators. He has trained mediators and leaders in Europe, the Middle East and Asia in his innovative peacemaking and mediation processes. He has personally mediated over 1,500 disputes, including sexual abuse cases in the Catholic Church and criminal victim offender cases. His honours include Californian Lawyer Magazine Attorney of the Year, a Purpose Prize Fellow, and Best Lawyers of American Lawyer of the Year. God, I hope I've got that right, Doug. And if all that wasn't enough, he has written four books. His latest released on September the 12th, 2017, entitled De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. Um, His other books are Exclusive Peace, How Modern Diplomatic Strategies Could Better Resolve the World's Conflicts, Peacemaking, Practicing at the Intersection of Law and Human Conflict, Sex, Politics and Religion at the Office, The Competitive Advantage. He is the creator of an online video course in legal negotiations and emotional de de-escalation and has conducted dozens of webinars. His video offerings are on YouTube and have garnered over 87,000 views. Wow, I think I'm out of breath with that introduction. Doug Knoll, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Claire. You know, I always enjoy talking with you. I find you to be a really engaging, wonderful woman. And so this will be fun. Oh, I've got a lot to live up to now. Don't put that pressure (laughs) on me. So, Doug, I've, I've like, (laughs) I've like introduced you to all of the listeners. Okay. But, and there's so much you've done, but um, do you want to tell us a little bit about you, Doug Knoll, right? And um, Uh how you've got here to, being a bit going from a lawyer to being a peacemaker which you know sort of is the same job but maybe isn't so tell us about yourself okay so i live in california i live in uh rural california actually i live about 60 miles south of yosemite national park 
and about 40 miles west of Kings Canyon Sequoia National Park. So I've got 10 acres. I live here with my wife and my eight-month-old Border Collie puppy. Uh. And it's just our little piece of heaven. <laughs> uh, so I'm a native Californian. I grew up in Southern California, and I was born with a lot of disabilities. I was born partially almost blind, crippled, um, partially deaf, bad teeth, left-handed. Wow. <laughs> Is a mess. And over the years, all of this stuff got straightened out, but it, not without a lot of emotional pain and physical mm. pain. But eventually, I, I overcame most of it. In fact, almost all of it. And uh, ended up going to Dartmouth College, which is an Ivy League college here in the United States, back in New Hampshire, about as far away from California as you can get and still be on the continent. And graduated from there with a degree in English literature. And in those days, if you didn't go to med school, you went to law school. <laughs> so I came back to California. Yeah, I came back to California and went to law school, did well academically, and decided to move to Central California because I didn't want to live on the coast or in the cities or anything mm. like that. I love the I love the mountains. So I worked for a judge for a year and then went into private practice and became a trial lawyer for the next twenty two years. Were you the defense or the prosecution? No, I was actually neither. I was a civil trial lawyer. Oh. So I did very complex, large dollar commercial and business cases, usually involving millions of dollars. I was going to say that's where the money is, isn't it? Well, it is. And it's also where the stress is. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> because there's a lot at stake. <laughs> Sorry, carry so on. It, it, in, in the mid-1980s, I took up the martial arts. And in, by the time I was 40, I had earned my second degree black belt in a northern Chinese kung fu style. And my teacher called me in and fired me. You're, you're an asshole. You're arrogant. Wow. <laughs> you're yourself. Go learn a Tai Chi. You're not going to, I'm not going to teach you anything else until you master Tai Chi. Wow. Well, that was a death sentence because you never master Tai Chi. Yeah. Tai Chi, I studied Tai Chi as a martial art, not as a contemplative practice. And Tai Chi has two really interesting paradoxes. The first is the softer you are, the stronger you are. And the second paradox is the more vulnerable you are, the more powerful you are. Soft to be strong, vulnerable to be powerful. Did not compute. No. <laughs> you know? No. So, but I kept practicing. And some years later, I was in the courtroom cross-examining somebody and in a trial, and I thought, what the heck am I doing in here? And after that trip, uh, I had a vacation planned, and on that vacation, I thought long and hard about how many people I'd really served as a trial lawyer and concluded that over 22 years, I'd only really helped five people. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. If I'm going to go another 30 years and maybe serve 10 or 15 more people, out of hundreds and hundreds of lawsuits where it's just about the money, not, that's not my game. But I didn't know what I was going to do. So I came back from that trip and was driving down out of the mountains to my office, and I heard the one and only public service announcement on our local public radio station for a new master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies being offered at Fresno Pacific University. Well, to make a long story short, I enrolled. and it completely changed my life and the, the my teachers were brilliant professors and just completely opened my eyes to things that i had never considered before and ultimately um i had many discussions with my partners about a new kind of practice a peacemaking practice and a problem-solving practice and i didn't want to try cases anymore even though i was very very good at it 
they were not happy with that because I was the second largest earner in the law firm. <laughs> and so a lot of people saw their bank accounts being hit by me deciding to do something different. And ultimately I was given an ultimatum, which they thought I would walk away from. And I said, nope, I quit. And they couldn't believe it. I gave one, one week's notice, walked away from $10 million and on November 1st, 2000, opened right after my 50th birthday, I opened my own peacemaking and mediation practice and became a professional peacemaker and mediator. And that's how it started. Wow. And what, okay. The decision I ever made. Uh, well, hmm? and this is the thing, I suppose, yeah, you get to like, and I have to say, right, I'm looking at you, right? How long have you been doing peacemaking? Uh, 22 years. There we Full go. Time, 22. So you started it at when you were 50. So that means what, you're 72 right. now? I'm 70. Uh, well, actually, no, I, I'll be 72 in October. I'm 71. And now. people on this podcast cannot see you, but I can see you. And oh my God, you've either been hitting the Botox hard, your lighting is good <laughs> in your studio, or peacemaking is definitely good for your health. That's all I'm going to say. Because like, well, I take, you, know, I you take look really 50. Good in fact, I look older than you do. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I really take good care of myself. Yeah. My chronological age, actually, by, chronologically, I'm 71, maybe 71 and a half, but biologically, I'm, I'm in my early, I'm in my late 50s. I've had my I DNA checked, and, and it's because of a whole bunch of stuff that my wife and I do. Oh, okay. That, where we really, really have st slowed down our aging process. Wow, maybe that should be another podcast. I know, I know we definitely, <laughs> definitely with blimmin having a six-year-old it definitely has sped up my aging process there you go yeah mm -hmm. exactly um okay so what is the peacemaking that you do because i know like my view of a peacemaker is somebody who goes into uh, well and we've got you know russia and the ukraine at the moment at war so it's somebody who goes into right. that war situation which i would find quite a stressful situation <laughs> go into the a war situation and try and actually resolve the conflict that's there right and also, as even if you're mediating um, conflicting families or um, businesses or what, to me, going in and being a peacemaker, you're going into a really quite potentially toxic, hot, uh, fiery, angry situation, which, well, I would find, I would think it'd be rather stressful, wouldn't it? Well, first of all, you're right. <laughs> I am called into those theories, yeah. high emotion, high stakes conflicts. The, the, what, what, what is important, what I think it's, people don't understand about the work that I do is that I just don't walk into somebody's conflict. I have to be invited in. Oh, okay. And if I'm invited in, then, I mean, I, then the magic happens. But so 50 or 80% of the job is getting people to come to the table because most of the time people would rather shoot each other with AK-47s than come talk by the time they get to the level of conflict where my services are necessary. Uh, and then, but there's a whole process that I use that uh, ha has proven to be very effective at calming people down and helping them sort through the problems sort through the injustices, and then be able to have hard conversations with each other about how to make things right and how to move forward to put the conflict behind them. And this is a process that might take a couple of hours or it might take a couple of weeks or months. Yeah, no, well, uh, well, it, it, depends on, it depends on the nature of the problem, who the parties are, what the relationship is with each other. You just don't know. So, 
But the secret, the, the first step is everybody has to agree that they want to go through this process because it's, it's all voluntary. And if, you don't, and if you don't want to go through the process, then the process won't work. So they have to commit yeah. to it. And that's the, that's the first big step. Yeah, because I suppose it, you've all got to agree to come to the table to be able to have that discussion. Because if you're not and you're exactly. being dragged to the table, well, then that discussion is not going to be constructive and that's not going to work as such. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. So, and and so I'm just, <laughs> I'm just looking at all the books you've written, right? So what you're saying is... And what we've discussed previously is that everything that you've learned through all of your years of dealing with conflicts and the sexual abuse cases in the Catholic Church and the conflicts and peacemaking that you've done like in in um, Asia and uh, Middle East and stuff like that, um, all of those, all of this process that you use in those situations can basically be um, used in a situation regarding co-parenting or regarding um, discussing and dealing with y your kids, basically. That's right. The with human brain is the human brain. Yeah. And no matter where you are on the planet, your brain responds to conflict exactly as everybody else's brain. And is that? And the, so the processes, the processes that we use in a very complex conflict are exactly the same processes you, you would use with a screaming three-year-old. It doesn't, it, it's exactly the same. No difference whatsoever. And the same processes can be used not only to deal with a screaming three-year-old or a deep and intractable conflict, but also to build deep relationships because it can be used very constructively and positively to build trust and intimacy in relationships, whether it's a business relationship or a personal intimate relationship. It's, it's what I consider the foundational skill of life. Well, I'm in. I'm in. I'm hooked. How do we use this? What, what, what is this process? Because I, right, I... Let me talk. I want to stop you a little my kids screaming at me. <laughs> okay. I'll, let me give you a little yeah. background and I'll explain do it. Yeah, go for it. So, first of all, I discovered this in 2005 in a very difficult mediation. I had been... I was a, when, I started, when I started my master's degree studies, I think in 97... 98 maybe, uh, I can't remember, too long ago, <laughs> memory lapse. Uh, I, I came to the realization that stuff was, everything started in the brain. And I was reading all of this sociology and psychology and theology and all, all very interesting, mm. but all of it highly subjective and none of it empirical and no real science. And I said, this, this isn't right. There has to be some science here. So. Back then, nobody knew what neuroscience was. Functional magnetic resonance imaging had just started, and there are very few studies out. But there were starting to studies out. And I, fortunately, was introduced to John Allman, who was a professor of neuroscience at Caltech uh, in Pasadena, California. And he tutored me a little bit and really helped me get started. So I'd been studying neuroscience. And I'd also gone out and taken all these courses in listening, like active listening and nonviolent communication. And all, it was all crap. None of it worked. And none of, none, none of it worked, especially in high, highly intense conflicts wow. where people were really, really emotional. Yes. So I was at a loss for what to do. And, and none of my professors knew what to do. They taught the old stuff that didn't work because they didn't have anything else to teach. So I was in this mediation. And without going into all the gory details, the thought came to me, listen to the emotions. And I had the parties 
stop and start listening to each other's emotions and reflect those emotions to each other. And it was like somebody flipped a switch. Within five minutes, the temperature in the room came way down. People felt empowered. They were calm. I mean, it was amazing. And it resolved in, you know, less than three hours. Wow. Where before, but when it started, people were so angry, if there had been knives on the table, there would have been blood on the floor. So I knew what I'd done, but I didn't know why it worked. So I started playing with it in other mediations and got the same exact result. And then in 2007, neuroscientist Matthew Lieberman published his first brain scanning study, the seminal study on why this worked. And the technique is called affect, A-F-F-E-C-T, affect labeling. Right. And Lieberman published a study showing exactly what happens in the brain when you reflect back somebody's emotional experience to them. And what happens is that the emotional centers of the brain become inhibited at the same time the ventrolateral prefrontal cortex, which is the executive function of the brain, gets activated. So as, they, as one comes down, the other goes up. And within about 90 seconds, people go from raging crazy to perfectly calm. Okay. And that's a... F and it happens every... And that's it happens every... Sorry, carry on. It happens every single time without fail because it's the way that human brains are hardwired to operate. And that's effect labeling? That's called affect labeling. Okay. All right. Wow. Now, how do you do affect labeling? Well, yeah. That's my it's next be question. A quiz at the end, so there's going to be a there's going to be a quiz at the end, so take notes. Uh, can we take it back a step though, for the laymen yeah. who are out there, right? And for what you've just said, um, what you're saying is that what you do by connecting people in with their emotions actually then brings the front part of their brain into action. Correct. Instead That's of, a good way of other parts. What right? What yeah. would be the other part? See our brain. Think of our brain as being a whole bunch of computers. Yeah. Some of which, some of which are very, very old. Some of which are pretty new, and mostly they don't talk to each other very well. And so we we have a we can't control our emotions with willpower because our emotions are operating on computers in our brain. I'm yeah, using no, 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 that's great. Now. It's awesome. Operating, operating on computers in our brain that are that are very, 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 very old. Well, that go back to when we were born. And, and, and the, the, the part of our brain, that's, the, the consciousness part of our brain is very, very, very new. And so it's like, it's, like, it's, like taking an I, it's like taking an iPhone, what are we on now, 14 or something? Oh, iOS, I don't know. Whatever it is, you take them. I'm an Android oh, baby. Or, or an Android. I think the Android 21 just came out. I've got an S9. Oh. So imagine taking an Android an one S22. and asking it to talk to a Bell Ringer telephone from the 1950s. Yeah, and most people on this who will be listening to this won't even know it what that know. is. But yeah, in the old days, if you, you used want, to pick a handset up, you had to pick a handset <laughs> off the off the table, pick it, put it up to your ear, and there was a rotary dial, and you had to dial numbers with a rotary yeah, I dial. Yeah, I remember that. I can right. remember that. And there was no Insta or no, Facey or anything like that on it. All it did was you picked it up and you made a call on it and spoke to somebody on the other end. Right. You didn't if video anything or it like kids That's these right. days don't know how good they've got it. That's right. So, 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 and if you don't know what we're talking about, go check it out on YouTube. Look at rotary, rotary dial telephones. Uh, so imagine your most modern iPhone or Android trying to talk to that old phone. 
an old analog phone, not digital, not a computer. <laughs> you know, you, it, I was going to say, don't go impossible. there. When you said analog, when you said analog, it brought back memories of sitting there, pressing play on a tape recorder, having an having a piece of software upload to a computer yeah, and it going remember, little cassette things we had with the old <laughs> yeah. Apple computer I know <laughs> oh my god yeah no exactly oh, yeah. so it's you crazy. know there's no pressing install and it instantly installing these things took forever, uh, forever. so yeah and then of course yeah. when the internet came on since we're going down memory lane remember when 2k oh, yeah, was really no. a high baud rate we thought well that was amazing oh, you know we god, started off with, started off with like you know, like nothing 800 baht or something and you take forever yeah. again i was amazing the yeah. internet even got started anyway like we died and right. a terabyte which you <laughs> and a terabyte that you have on your phone nowadays oh, like we got more like filled a room <laughs> we've got more computing power on our telephone than existed oh. in all of the 20th century yeah, I know. In the anyway, we digress, everyone. Yeah, we digress. We've just gone down no, a rabbit no, hole. No, anyway, no, let's no go metaphor, back. Just understand that you, you've got these brain systems that don't communicate with each other. So it's very easy for the emotional centers of the brain, which are to overwhelm the thinking centers of the brain. And when that happens, the thinking center of the brain can no longer process the emotions. And so the brain reverts back to reactive programming, which was either which was learned in childhood and so that's why when you see a 40 year old acting like a six-year-old that 40 year old is a six-year-old at that moment so what affect labeling does is it kickstarts the prefrontal cortex of this upset person so that it can take back control over the emotional centers of the brain and restore instant calm yeah it's like a step back isn't it it's like taking a deep breath it, but it's faster than and, that but it, it yeah exactly exactly it's faster than that and the whole you know you've heard a lot of people talk about take a deep breath take a step back what when people are trying to do that what they're trying to do is again technical they're trying to control what's known as the polyvagal system the parasympathetic part of the parasympathetic nervous system and taking a deep breath or a whole bunch of deep breaths will calm you down in about 30 or 40 minutes yeah but that's not, but that's good, not good enough in my yeah. work yeah no so yeah. this affect labeling, or if you want to put it in a simpler terms, it's reflecting back emotions to the emotional person, has proven to be an extremely effective, powerful way to calm any angry person in less than 90 seconds. Wow. So here's how you do it. Even kids. Take, take notes. Even kids. Kids, even it works kids. even better with kids than it does. It works well with everybody, but kids eat it up for reasons that we can talk about. Okay, right. Get right, your so pencil when you're, and pad when you're out, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> confronted, you're confronted with an angry person or a child. Yeah. First thing you're going to do is ignore those angry words. You've got a six-year-old screaming at, Mommy, I hate you. You know what I mean? They're saying all these yeah. nasty stuff, right? You just ignore it all. Just ignore it. It doesn't mean anything. Just words. And when you, they're just words. They mean nothing. And when you ignore the words, you're less likely to get triggered yourself and you free up bandwidth in your brain for doing the rest of the process. So ignore, you just have to, it's just white noise. Just ignore it. Because it doesn't trigger your emotions. So if you listen to it and listen to what they were actually saying, that would then trigger your emotions. And it then you're in a conflict situation then, where then, you've got two people who are six or, you know, and not actually exactly. adults if you're talking with an adult. Exactly. So ignore the words. Then the second step 
is to read the emotional data fields of this upset emotional person. Now, read the emotional data fields. What's that like? I know. Well, hello. Understand that emotions are data, just like numbers on a spreadsheet. Okay. And our brains are hardwired. We have an innate ability to accurately and rapidly understand what another person is experiencing emotionally. This has been developed in us in evolution for millions of years. And if you want the science behind that, I'm happy to explain more. But the idea is to sit inside, just sit there quietly, empty your mind, and within seconds, you'll be start getting emotions coming through. You'll, you'll, you'll hear the words or you'll feel the emotions coming through. And these are the emotions that this other person is experiencing. So you're gonna, the third step is to reflect back the emotions with a simple you statement. So I would say, Claire, you are really angry. You're really pissed off. You feel like you're unappreciated. Nobody's supporting you. You feel completely disrespected. And you're worried and concerned and anxious. And you're scared. And you're sad. And you feel betrayed. Nobody loves you. You feel completely abandoned. And it's not right. And the whole thing just really, really has you just ready to blow, it, blow your stack. Okay. <clears throat> and, you, and that's all you do. Notice how all I did was reflect back emotions. Reflect back the other person's emotions. Yep, so what you're, back Claire's emotions. So what you're observing, what you're like feeling right. that they're that's trying right. to convey. You use a you statement. That's right. And you don't use an I statement. You use a you statement. You just tell them directly what they are, what their emotional experience mm. is. And that's called affect labeling. And when you do that, the magic happens. And you continue to affect label, whether it's a four-year-old or a 40-year-old, until four things happen. Number one, you get a nod of the head. Number two, you get some sort of verbal response like, exactly. Number three, you get a dropping of the shoulders. And number four, you get a sigh of relief. Wow. These four involuntary relaxation responses. When you see those four responses, or at least a combination of them, you know you've succeeded and you've de-escalated this angry person. And then you can move on to whatever has to happen, whatever problem solving has to mm -hmm. engage, you have to engage in first. Mm -hmm. And it's that simple. Ignore the words, read the emotions, reflect back the emotions with a simple use statement. And I suppose you have to practice this, though, because I suppose... You do have to practice Because, like, it's this not going to come straight away, is it? Because I'm sitting yeah. there going, wow. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, one, you're going to have to practice so, just observing and not reacting because it's so easy to so react. So let me give you some practice. There are a couple of, couple of practice tips okay. for you. First of all, you want to learn that second step, how to read emotions. So what I tell people do is to listen to an advertisement, a radio advertisement, where there's no visual, and see how many emotions you can count in that 20-second spot. Okay. And you'll be amazed. You'll, you, if you, once you start paying attention, you'll be able to identify very quickly, sometimes as many as 20 emotions in 20 seconds. Wow. Okay. It's amazing. And so just pay attention. The second thing you can do is when you're watching uh, a show, mm -hmm streaming or on television or whatever, even on your phone, turn off the volume. And how many emotions can you pick up without hearing the words? 
Ah, in like one or two so minutes. That, so basically, the facial cues and the positioning of the body and various right. different things. Because that's like. where that's those that's where the information is yeah. coming from. It's coming from our our facial expressions and body language, and we have the ability to read this. So you can prove it to yourself just by taking doing these two exercises, mm. and do that three or four times, and you'll you'll be amazed at how much you're able to pick up. Now to practice the third step, the U statement, I always recommend practicing for at least a couple of weeks in very low risk safe situations where if you make a mistake you're not going to embarrass yeah. yourself right my favorite place is starbucks okay. uh, or any other coffee shop of your choice you walk in in the morning you're going to order a latte and you walk up to the barista you hand, hand the barista your card and you say you look really happy this morning well but if they don't look happy then you say you you look unhappy, or you look you look a little frustrated, oh, okay. or you look a little stressed, whatever it is. But most people at Starbucks, at least in the United States, oh. are happy people. They're hired because they're happy yeah. people, and they like being up early and they love working. Do they? With are they nuts? So you can almost always get away with saying you're. I would happy. be shit at Starbucks. <laughs> I and hate then, getting up in the morning. <laughs> well, okay, so but, yeah. you can do it at a restaurant. Go to do it at a restaurant. Do it when you're at the market and you're at a checkout. Okay. To the clerk, scanning your stuff. Say, just look at them and give them one one emotion, and then put your lab coat on, metaphorically speaking, yeah. and observe what they how they behave. How do they behave towards you when you feed, give them an emotion? Oh, okay. And that's pretty easy to just do that at the, very at the supermarket or a store or market or going to get your coffee. Okay. And you do this for two or three weeks. You try to do it three or four times a week, and you do it for two or three weeks until you start seeing the pattern of reaction. And it'll be the same pattern every time. Once you start seeing, wow, this really works, then you can go a little deeper into the pool. Now try it out on a friend. And you're talking to your friend and just casually reflect back one emotion that you're having in a conversation. Rather than, you know, most conversations are pretty witless. So rather than having a witless conversation, pay attention to the emotional experience of your friend and reflect back what he or she is experiencing that moment with just one emotion. Mm. Put your lab coat on and watch what happens. Wow. Now you've got a six-year-old, so you're yeah, lucky because you can start practicing as soon as the show's oh, over. Oh, yeah. Well, but I can't because he's not here with me, but that's okay. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. But four to, four to eight-year-olds. Oh, okay. Children. You can start practicing with them right away. And, and you'll get the same amazing result. And four, four to eight-year-olds will eat Even that. at that age? Even at that age, you'll get the oh, same yeah, result you as started you started too. Oh, okay. Because here's what's happening, Clara. At the emotional centers of the brain do not start to mature until about 18 months of age. And we're not born with emotions. We have to create emotions. We're born with a thing called affect. I'm, this is gonna, I, I don't want to go deep into this because people's eyes will glaze over. <laughs> But basically, we have to start creating emotions. Yeah. And we yeah. do that at 18 months. And so when you affect label a child's emotions, you're helping them build their emotional database. And you're actually helping their emotional centers mature and grow. You're actually, you're actually giving them superfood when you reflect their emotions. And it's really, really good for their brains. In fact, studies show that if you start affect labeling a child between four and six, usually within five years, they're two grade levels ahead of their peers if you if you're consistently affect labeling during those five wow, years really yeah it's very powerful right i'm starting tonight as soon because as it gets dropped off 
Yeah, their brains, their brains just eat it up. So if you've got children or grandchildren, this is something that you can, you can, you, you, and you will see immediate results. Now I wouldn't do it. I would until you get good at it. I wouldn't do it with nine year old, nine years old or older until you until you got some practice at it. Or Why are they a bit more savvy? Are well, they, a bit they more are. Like, oh, yeah. you're trying to affect label me, mum. So leave Something off. Is like that? that. Now, and, yeah. now let's talk about that for a second. Okay. You will. You might sometimes get that pushback, especially if you're not very subtle. Sometimes with an adult, you'll get something like, "Who the heck do you think you are? My psychotherapist?" You know, you get that kind of pushback. What that indicates is that you you were too good, because we all have these walls we built around us, and the wall of toughness. Right? We're strong people, and we don't feel emotions, and emotions are bad, they're evil. But inside the wall is who I really am, which is this weak, low self-esteem, self-loathing person that that you that you hate. And when you affect label somebody. It's like you blow through that wall like a superhero wow. and it scares the crap out of the speaker because right there you're seeing them for who they really are. Yeah. And it scares them. And so what are they going to do? Of course, they're going to react quickly. Go away. Push back. Well, they're, they're on the defensive then, aren't they? They're, they're like trying to defend back. their image. That, well, yeah, and they're scared because you, 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 just made, you just saw their vulnerability. Now, the secret is so when somebody pushes back and gets a little angry at you, or a little pushy, don't get upset. Just say, oops, I did. It. I was too good. Back off, give it a few minutes, and then come back and just very casually and then very subtly label one emotion. Oh, you're really frustrated. And just leave it at that. Don't go any further. Wow. I'm about as subtle as a brick, though. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to really, really going to have to. <laughs> well, it is, and I'm English as well. So I'm like buggered. I've been here for 15 years, and like, yeah. So I'm as about as subtle as a brick, but it's all right. Subtlety can be trained. It's all right. It just means I've got to practice it. So, okay. So we can all practice this. Well, as a single parent, right? I mean, we can practice this. On co in co-parenting because That's we've right. got to deal with. I so mean, most of the time you've got the the other parent who you're going to be parents for life. You may hate each other's guts. You know, you don't know. You may not have a. Some people have great relationships. Some people don't. But the way to de-escalate your your co-parent is to instead of getting into a fight, step back, ignore the words read the emotions, and simply reflect back the emotions of what they're experiencing with a you statement. You're really angry. You're frustrated. I'm definitely going to try this. I normally step back and then basically say, like, and just basically focus on, for me, to de-escalate myself, I focus on what's the best thing for my son. So I, it doesn't matter about my emotions. It's about, well, what's the best thing for my son? And I don't really care what the other person's actually reacting to. Like, it's it's me going, well, you can react as much as you want, but it's about what's the best thing for my son. So if the best thing for my son is X, right. Y, and Z, then I'll set that boundary um, because it's all about my son. It's not about me and it's not about my ex-partner. It's about my son and making sure and, right. and right. my son's sisters and making sure that they're okay. Um, so that's how I deal with that. But I don't do the affect labeling where I go, you're feeling angry about this or you're because that's right um now here's another trick 
to control your own emotions, affect label yourself. Wow. Supposing, supposing your ex-partner says something at you and, and triggers yeah. you, and you'll say to yourself, boy, he just, I'm pissed. I'm really angry. I'm really frustrated. I don't feel listened to. I don't feel supported. I don't feel appreciated. I feel completely disrespected. And this is making me angry, but I'm also sad. And I feel rejected and I feel abandoned. You notice how when you say, if you just say that to yourself, I just felt it myself. I just felt a deep relaxation come, come through me. And so that's how you, that's how you manage your own emotions is just name silently name what you're experiencing in the yeah. moment. Yeah. Cause you don't have to put it at the end of the day, like you know, well, 90% of our conversations are in our head with our voices in our head. So you don't have to put it out there in the ether. You can just actually name it all in, internally. Say it to yourself, yeah. yeah. And that affect labeling, self-affect labeling works just as well as affect labeling somebody else. Can we teach our kids this? Because I'm, just, I'm yes. just thinking from a, uh, does this help our children? Excuse me. Uh, does this help our children when they potentially might be in a bullying bullying situation at school, or can it sort of help diffuse situations yes. when they're at school? Yes. And how do we? And yes. do we teach them just the same way that you've taught us? Exactly okay. right. Well, it's age appropriate yeah. and, and vocabulary appropriate. Here's the way to teach them: model it. Don't even sit down and talk with wow, them about okay. this. Just model the behavior. In other words. Affect label your children, and every parent that has ever tried this, that's reported to me, says that within two or three weeks, the kids are affect labeling each other, and they're affect labeling mom and dad, or mom. They pick it up, they pick it up really, really fast. Well, they're like little sponges. And then when they get older, and you got to give them, they come home from school, and they have an upset or something, you affect label them. And then the problem-solving part of it is what happened, what strategies could you have used mm. that you didn't use? And maybe they haven't even thought about ethic labeling. And then you can lead them through the process. Well, think about what, next time, try this and see what Yeah, happens. I mean, I must admit, as a parent, you want to go in there and you want to solve it all for them and go, oh, well, somebody did that to you. What you need to do is. Right. That's the worst thing you can yeah, do. Exactly. It's getting them uh, to solve I, it. I, yeah, I want to touch, I want to touch on, on that a little bit. So one of, the things that pe one of the things that people tend to do, whether they're, it's with their children or other people, is they tend to go to problem solving right away. They're confront somebody has an emotional problem, and they, um, the listener immediately wants to try to solve the problem. That is called emotional invalidation. There are other forms of in emotional invalidation. So, for example, supposing you've got a little three, four-year-old boy running around outside, and he falls down and skins his knee and starts to cry. What is he usually told? Don't be a sissy. Come on, have a. In Australia, they say have a cup of concrete and harden up. Um, I'm trying to think what else right. they say here. Was it like that was? Yeah. Don't be a girly girl. Big boys don't cry. Same thing that happens to girls too. So that is called emotional invalidation. It is the most insidious and pervasive form of emotional abuse that exists on the planet. And all the science shows that that kind of emotional abuse leads to horrible outcomes later in life. And every parent does it because they think yeah. they have to toughen their kids up. And that, that is absolutely false. It's a, it's a myth that's not based on any science whatsoever. I, I, yeah. What you, and here's, here's the problem. You emotionally invalidate your child. You're telling your child that emotions are bad, they're evil, they're weak, they're irrational, 
Don't pay attention to your emotions. And, and the science tells us that we're 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Wow. I didn't realize those races. So we're turning off 98% of who we are at four years old. Is it any wonder when that kid becomes an adult that his relationships are in the tank, that you can't make a relationship work because you don't know how to manage your own emotions? Yeah, yeah it's scary. It is scary. It's very scary. And, and parents do it all the time, and they don't know that they're doing tremendous damage to their children's mm -hmm. brains. Yeah, it's because it was done to them. Yeah, oh, I agree. I mean, look, it was done to me. Um, like you know, and it was done to me. Yeah, I mean, I was brought up in the seventies, right? It's the seventies was hard, and then we had Maggie's blooming Britain, so you had to sort it out and get out. Yeah, no, and I, I can understand that because you were told like um, right. emotion, like don't, don't cry, feel. don't scream, don't shout, don't be angry, and it, like as a, and as a girl, um, there are certain things that you were expected to be like be quiet children are seen and not heard and all of that stuff and blah 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 um and there are there are times and i don't say it to my son but there are times where i go oh buddy you might not have wanted to talk then but i try and stay quiet because i'm like okay you will learn these lessons of like what you have to say and when you and like and i'm not gonna like try and control him because he's his own person and Sometimes what I think is not the right time to say something is actually the right time to say something. It's just that my upbringing has said, oh, you need to stay quiet there. And actually, right. he's done the right thing. So think, think, think of what it do this I way. know? So, yeah. How can you ever master your emotions if you're not taught how to do it? How can you master your emotions if you mm. don't grow up with role models mm. of people who have emotional mastery? You can't. Yeah. And you only you only model, you only master what is modeled to you by your parents. And if, yeah. if your parents are emotionally incompetent, then guess what? You're going to be emotionally incompetent. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that, and, and, that, and that sad truth is that 98% of all families are emotionally dysfunctional. Yeah. And they just produce emotionally dysfunctional adults, and the cycle persists generation after generation. But now we have the science that tells us differently. We have a, some new skills that have just come out in the last 15 years that, that allow us to break that cycle mm. if we're willing to do it. Yeah, and that, I mean, and that's one of the reasons I started this podcast was because, you know, single parents is bloody hard, right? Let's just put it hard. out there. It's hard, right? Being a parent is hard. But being, you know, in, in general, right? Full stop. Um, and, you know, as a single parent, I'm like mum and dad at times and – you know, and you sit there and go, well, I need, I need some tools in my toolbox because, right. you know, the 70s is a very long time ago for me and, you know, for everyone, but for me and how I was brought up. And so I can't, these are things I can't even remember, like, and I know I'm potentially nowadays right. Um, and so it's about being the best parent I can be for my son and trying not to mess him up too much. <laughs> with Thanks. everything that goes and, on. And it's, it, you're right. And it's all about mindset. Yeah. Instead of thinking that you have to discipline your child, think about being an emotional coach. Mm. Mm. How, can I be, how can I coach my child through his or her emotional moments and train my child how to be emotionally competent? And it's tiny little steps, 10 times, 15 times a day child has an emotion or emotional experience what am i what's my strategy going to be every time they're emotional am i going to shut them down because they make me anxious every time they get upset 
Or am I going to be present with that child and be okay with my own anxiety and coach this little being of mine how to master emotions by ethic labeling? And that's the choice. That's the that's the simple choice that parents have to make, and single parents especially. And when you make that choice, you see, you know, I'm going to be an emotional coach. Every time my child gets emotional, I'm going to reflect back the emotions that are there right now, and I'm going to do it. If I have to do this 15 times or 20 times a day, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, and and also, I mean, some of the things that I use to stop myself from going, oh my god, just. Rah! Some of the things, exactly. <laughs> and it is like that at times. I go, oh, and exactly like where he falls over and he scrapes his knee, and you go, oh, here we go. And, but you know, the thing is, like, I don't want to say, oh, come on, harden up or whatever, because he's right. hurt himself, right? But I might be doing right. half a dozen other things, and I don't need to deal with this at the moment. That's right. And that's the human part of this podcast, because I think you know what I want to put out there is, like, we're all human, okay? So yes. What you're saying is the ideal, you know, it is we need to do this. We need to be cognizant. We need to be doing this all the time. But it is okay not to do it once or twice a day, you know. Do you know what I mean? Sure. It's we're Here, Here's the thing. Once you start doing this, two things You'll you're going to notice, two things. One, all the upset's going to go away super fast, mm -hmm. much faster than anything else you could possibly do. And two, you're going to feel really good about it because it's mm. so self-affirming. You're going to get a beautiful reaction from your child that is going to make you feel so loved and the child is going to be in such deep gratitude that you listen that little being into existence that mm. you will want to do this mm. all you have to do is practice it long enough for two or three weeks so that it becomes a habit and once that happens everything changes forever yeah and so it's not that difficult and and, no. and it, you just have to decide this is something i want to do and then make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that simple. Just do it, as Nike would say in the 90s or whenever it. it was. <laughs> and, and you will be amazed at what happens between you and your child. Yeah. Oh, look, Especially um, if you're a stressed out single mother or father. Yeah. And like uh, being in Melbourne, where, where I am and how most of the listeners are, like, we did we did 260 days worth of lockdown, right? Stuck in our houses with our kids, right? God, right. well, I know, but God love them. Um, but I, everyone was up, and admittedly businesses suffered and various different, you know, um, and people suffered. But I was grateful for that because it, I have a, such a different relationship with my child, mainly because we were thrown into the situation where I did have to affect label a lot of the time because otherwise we wouldn't have got through That's 260 nice. days worth of lockdown. So, yeah, yeah. and it, And they are... They are little people who are having these big emotions who don't, like, we understand what anger is and we understand they what don't. being frustrated is. They don't. But they don't. They don't. They don't have a clue. That's All they do is have, feel this affect coming through. They don't even, yeah. they can't even name it yet. It's not even an emotion. It's just an experience. Mm. And what we can help them do is build their database by affect labeling. Oh, you're angry. You're experiencing anger right now. Oh, that's what anger feels like. Yeah, because, yeah, I, exactly. I cannot, oh, it sounds so simple. But it's so yeah. powerful. No, I'm definitely going to be trying it when the little monster gets back tonight from his dad's. <laughs> 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 and hopefully he won't be a little monster or he'll be more like a fluffy Monsters Inc. monster, not <laughs> a horrible, like, I'm tired and grumpy and been fed lots of sugar monster. But that's okay. But that's if okay. he's tired and grumpy and been fed a lot of sugar grumpy, you yeah. just say you're tired. You're tired. You're grumpy. No, because he'll go... 
No, see, he'll go, I'm not tired. I'm not grumpy, mum. I don't want to go to bed early. Keep keep working with it. All right, let's just role play that. He says, I'm not tired. I'm not grumpy. I don't want to go to bed. Oh, you're you're really frustrated. And you're and and you and you and you really you know you let me think through how I would say this. You're really frustrated and you don't feel like you're being listened to and you don't feel appreciated and supported and you're sad. And you're afraid you're gonna miss stuff. If you go to bed, you're gonna miss all the fun stuff. And that's really upsetting to you. Yeah. He probably and so you're tired, so you're tired and you're grumpy and yet and you don't want to miss anything. You're afraid of missing good stuff. And you just want to keep going because life is so much fun. He'll probably want a hug then. He'll go, Mommy, can I have a hug? And I go, all right then. Exactly. And if he says, Mommy, can I have a hug? Guess what? What did you just do? Oh, I would definitely, I would give him a hug. Oh. Well, no, but my point is you just de-escalated him. Yeah. (laughs) You just completely calmed him down. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And And that's exactly what you would do. And a lot of the time to calm him down. A lot of the time it is give him a hug, connect with him physically because, I don't know, that physical connection seems to calm him down as well. And then then I can then talk to his logical brain instead of his screamy, shouty brain. Right. And understand that as the child gets older, physical touch is still important, but especially when they become teenagers, for a while it gets cut off. So you have to have other tools which is why you develop affect labeling. Mm, mm. It's already so cut off. All tools in your box. It's Hugging. already, yeah, it's already cut well, off. Yeah. He he won't hold my hand going into school now. He like looks of at me. Of course not. It's embarrassing. Say, I, yeah. And he sticks though. He's six. But I put oh, my God. hand out for him to hold my hand and he like looks at me as if to say, don't even go there, mum. So I'm like, I know. Right. I mean, peer pressure is already starting to I know. work on him. Second year at school. So, Doug, look, thank you. Um, I'm definitely going to try all of that. Where can people get more information on, well, so I'm assuming your latest book, which is De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds, has a lot of this technique within it, it and all of those sort of things. So let me, I, I built a web page oh, okay. just for everybody who's listening right now. Wow, you've done and even more than Melbourne, I've ever done. You're the only people in the world are to get, a, get access to this web page. And the wow. web page is... Doug Noel, D-O-U-G-N-O-L-L dot C-O slash Claire dash Martin. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to, I'll put it, I'll, um, so, so it's Doug Noel dot C-O slash Claire dash Martin. Now, if you go to that page, four things. Number one, you can get a free ebook that describes everything that I've been talking about. Two, you can buy my book, Deescalate. Three, you can get my de-escalate video course, pretty inexpensive. And four, if you decide that you want to be a super parent and want to really dive in, I'm giving people an $800 discount off my big basic and advanced emotional competency course, which is where we do the deep dive. Wow. Um, so from free to expensive, you know, <laughs> whatever. You. No, 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 whatever that's suits awesome. You. Yeah. No, thanks ever so much for that. Yeah, dugnoll.co, uh, Claire Dash Martin. And if yeah. Peter, so, and on there, people um, can find out who you are. I mean, I know we've yeah, touched on that a lot. And, that's right. Yeah, it's an entree. It's a it's an entree on my website, and then from there you can just go, go explore. I've got a vast website, and you can just get all kinds of other resources and learn yeah. all about more than more about me than you really want to know. And, <laughs> and 
and go from there. And if you want to reach out to me, um, if people want to reach out to me, my email address is Doug, D-O-U-G, at DougKnoll.com. Doug at DougKnoll.com. Wow, so, you might not want to give that email address out. You might be inundated. I, I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> the thing is, I'm a sole practitioner. I have no staff. I have no virtual assistants. There's no huge firewall around me. I am my guy. And I answer all of my own emails. So if somebody has a question, I mean, I'll even ju jump on a Zoom call. If somebody wants to jump on a Zoom call for 15 minutes and talk about an wow. issue they're having, just email me and we'll set it up. Okay, Doug, thanks for that. So that's awesome. So they can go to that website, which you've set up for us, which is brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, and they can connect with you in a whole manner, a myriad of different ways. Um, are you on Insta and Facey and all of that stuff as well? Or have you just shot shot those off to the side? Are you talking about social media? Yeah. Are you on social media? Uh, I'm on Facebook. I don't waste my time too much on Facebook. I, I, obviously, I have, and I have a lot of followers on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Yeah. And all, I'm on all the usual places. Right oh. now, I'm, I've got, I'm building out a new YouTube channel called The Power, the, the Power of Emotional Competency. I'm wow, just starting okay. this new YouTube channel. And so... Uh, I don't have any videos on it. I just started it this week. So yeah. I'll be posting videos probably starting next week, at least a couple of videos a week on all kinds of topics around emotions and emotional yeah. competency and ethic labeling and all that stuff. So if people... So it probably be, will be out there then, but like by the time I've edited this and got this out into the ether, like it, it, you'll probably be live with the yeah, actual probably, video, it'll, I think. It'll, so, yeah, I'll yeah, probably yeah. already have content up by the time. By the time you're listening to this... Yeah. Then you can go check out The Power of Emotional Competency on YouTube. Doug Knoll, The Power of Emotional Competency. And that'll, that's one of my YouTube channels that I'm now, I've got a bunch of them, but this one I'm really developing for this. And you'll find a whole bunch of YouTubes where I'm demoing and explaining. And, you know, it'll be, it's just going to be a resource rich channel for you to yeah. learn these skills and a bunch of other skills as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, Doug, I have one final question for you. Um, and apart from your ever eternal youth, like I'm like going, okay, we need to know these secrets. I might have to get you back so that us in Australia can look like you do. Um, <laughs> Cause like, I'm like, I know we've got sun and stuff here, but you're in California. So that's not our excuse. So we can't say we're aging cause it's, oh, we're always right. out in the sun because right. so are you. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you had a superpower, Doug, apart from your ever-eternal non-aging body, <laughs> right? Uh, if you had a superpower, what would that superpower be? Ooh, good question. What is my superpower? Yeah. You have got quite a few because, I mean, like... I do. You're a, I'm, I'm you're a mediator and all of that stuff, so I'm like... Two I have two foundational superpowers. Oh, okay. I'm extremely patient and I'm extremely disciplined. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. They're your superpowers. They're my superpowers. On on patience and discipline is built the edifice of Doug Knoll. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and hey, let's let's face it. I thought I had patience until I had my son, and then I discovered <laughs> that maybe I needed to train myself to have more patience. So I believe now, nearly seven years on, six and a half years on, I have a hell of a lot of. <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> discipline maybe not quite it's getting there but it's not as disciplined as you um awesome right. awesome look doug thank you it's been really fascinating talking to you um 
thank you so much for, you know, giving us your time and coming on board and um, telling us all about this. It's really interesting. And I think it'll help a lot of people either deal with and handle their children or deal with and handle their exes and co-parenting situations. So thank you, Doug. Thanks a lot for that. You're welcome, Claire. I really enjoyed this conversation. No, cool, cool. So, look, it's, wow, you're in California, so it's the evening for you and it's the morning for me. So, I'm going to get on and have a good day. You have a good evening. I'm going to pick up my jazz violin and play some jazz violin for a while. Oh, my God. Man, after my own heart. (laughs) I can't play violin that well now. But, anyway, it's all good. Oh, awesome. Brilliant. Okay, Doug, well, um, hopefully I will get you back on. Absolutely. Just... Give me a holler and we'll schedule it out. Cool. Brilliant. All right. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam, tune in.